Can you believe that it has been a year since the disaster of the flood of 2021 and all that entailed? And for those of us who weren't flooded out of our homes, who didn't lose property, animals, uh, you know, for one family locally, a member of their family, a man that died in that flood. I mean, there was so much devastation. For those of us who didn't directly experience that, we remember, but we don't feel those wounds that for people who actually went through the thick of it, those, those wounds are still raw. And, and it's, I, I feel it's very important to not forget not just as an idea but also the emotional impact that had on so many here in our community this is the farming show good morning to you i'm dylan honkoop i I know it's a little bit of a a somber opening but again i think it's important that we talk about that uh, this morning the anniversary this week of that flooding disaster in the nooksack river and as we know And as we feared for years, there was so much water that it came over the river, the Nooksack River banks at Everson. It was so high, it started to flow across towards Sumas into essentially a different drainage, into the, really the Fraser River watershed and wreaked havoc the whole way across. Joining me this morning here on the phone is Leah Rainey Herringa. She and her husband live out there, farming family out in the Sumas area. They were in the middle of it. Leah, thanks for being here because right off the top, I know because I've talked with you about this before, it's to this day, it's still hard for even to, to, to talk about what yeah. all went on. <laughs> Ta- explain what that was like. What was it like being there as the floodwaters rose and things happened? Take us back. And I know it's hard for you, but but I think it's important that we remember what was it like those days. Thanks, Dylan. Good morning. Um, Yeah, so it it started, we actually started berming. We heard it was going to get bad, so we actually bermed our front yard. I had um, 250 sandbags that we had done around my porches and anywhere just trying to keep the water out. We picked everything up that we thought was important on the main level. And we were, we pretty much worked probably about eight hours that Sunday night before it flooded. We were trying to do the best we could with, with the knowledge we had. And so then I was up at two in the morning, four in the morning, there was no water. We got a, a text from our local um, police chief, Daniel DeBrien. He said, it's over the Badger. It'll be at your house in 45 minutes. And that was no joke. It was, and it was rolling. So my husband and I went out, we picked up our freezer a little bit higher and his toolbox. And in that time, we had six inches rolling into the shop. Um, I had brought home four baby calves and my goats and my chickens. So we went out to feed them. In 20 minutes, probably about 200 yards from my house, I had two and a half plus feet of water rolling through my yard. Border Patrol pulled in and they, they're like, are you guys okay? We're like, no, you know, we're fine. We're, we're good. Like, no, you're not. You have 10 minutes to get out of here. Wow. And it was like, what are you, are you kidding me? And so I ran back to the water. My kids were still asleep in the house. 
I woke him up. We got to go, guys. We got to go. I grabbed two pairs of play pants, two pairs of pajamas mm. for them. I didn't have anything. I was mm. in complete rain gear, boots. I didn't have clothes. I didn't have toothbrushes. I didn't have anything. And so they grabbed my husband's Dodge with the kids. And Dan grabbed the tractor. And I gra- had to wait out to get to my Sequoia that was out by the barn. And uh, we started driving. And it was completely underwater going down Garrison Road, all the way past Valley Plumbing and going into Sumas. Everything was already full of water. Mm. And we get to Advent Church, and the Border Patrol agent actually was very smart, and he says, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'd get out of here. He said, Haverstick's Mm. still open. And luckily, well, it was kind of scary because our little puppy, she had ran in the house, but Dan thought I had her, and I thought Border Patrol had grabbed her. Oh, no. But we weren't sure. And Dan's like, well, i got to go back. So he goes back in the tractor, and at this point, we have maybe an inch, and it's coming in the house. Like, that was nothing, like nothing time, right? And uh, so he gets back, and luckily she was okay. And But I had to leave all my animals in the barn, just hoping and praying that they were still okay. And uh, we get to Advent, and we take try to take Haverstick, and it's closed. So then we had to take uh, Cyp- or Telegraph to Cyper. And Swift Creek was a disaster. You actually didn't know if the road was still there. And so I actually put it in four-wheel drive because it was so much mud and so much water. Finally made it through that. We get to Highway 9, and everything from Hoff Road to Nugent's Corner is underwater. And not after, not very long after we went through that, that's when the road collapsed there. And then my parents live up in the Acme Valley. They were still flooded. So we ended up on um, Everson Goshen and Smith Road at my friend's house. We stayed there that night. Dan actually tried to come back. But he kind of had a big panic attack because it was actually like level with the train tracks at that point when oh, he man. came into the mass. Oh, man. And he, he kind of freaked out. And he's like, what if I can't get back to my wife and my kids? No and, kidding. And we had left our tractor at the Advent Church. So they were using it still to help people be rescued. And then we made it back Tuesday because everything was closed. We had to take the badger out. It took us like four hours to get out here. <sighs> we got in and we'd had probably close to eight inches in the house. And um, my cows at the the old dairy had 10 Angus cows. They stood in three and a half feet of water for 24 hours. Mm. Um, All my animals luckily lived, thankfully. I don't know how they did because it was was really scary. My cows were starving. And um, like our weigh tank at the farm had moved all the way to the front. Our gas tank had rolled to the front. There was, we used to be dairy farmers and thankfully we weren't farming because every single stall had water in it. Every single, the milk house was completely underwater. The milk tanks would have been underwater. The parlor was underwater. Yeah. How many cows did you guys used to have there when you were dairying? Um, we had 725 that we milked. Can you imagine then, having that no. many animals that you would have had to, oh what, man. What would you have done with them? And the babies? Like, what would you have done? You know, and then the cows getting sick and. And uh, we had to take the tractor into the to the barn, and we were pushing water with the tractor. So it was probably about three and a half feet on Hill Road coming into there. And then after we had finished our going over what we could do with the time we had, we went in and we helped people. We took, um, I don't know, we probably moved around 20 people in about three hours with our tractor. Mm-hmm. And then we left, and we went back to my friend's house. And it, then we got the word that those pumps were supposed to fail. And my heart sank. It's like, I can't leave my animals, you know, like I can't do it. I had forgotten but, about that. But it was kind of uh-huh. like the second wave of fear. because. Yeah. The, and by the way, again, we're talking with Leah Rainey Herringa here on the Farming Show this morning, recounting 
A, a year later, can you believe it? It's been a year since this disa- flooding disaster here in Whatcom County. She's a farmer out in the Sumas area, along with her husband and family. There was that, as you're just mentioning, I'm, I'm forgetting some of these details already, that second wave where all that water had come through, done all that devastation that you were talking about. People were still being rescued with tractors, and then they were fearing that basically the the water was going to come back the other way from Canada if the Barrowtown pump station failed. And I remember, weren't they like sandbagging all night and just oh, hoping yeah. and praying that, that there wasn't a wall of water that came back from the other direction and into the Sumas all over again? Oh, people, people were devastated. I mean, they were freaking out. Right. And as, as we were, you know, we had every reason to be, cause we would have been, you know, what, 15 feet underwater if mm. it had come. And so I called my dad and, and he was, you know, in the Acme Valley, he's flooded too. I said, you got to get here. I said, I got to get these cows out of here. And so I had, we were raising, or we were, um, had some heifers there that people were renting the barns for. And so I was like, I got to get them out too. And, and so my dad made it down Reese Hill and he was able to get over to the to Hill Road. And then we had the tractor because the cattle truck isn't very big. Then we had to push the water with the tractor and the, the truck had to be right behind it so that it wouldn't, you know, get that water in it and take it off the road. Oh, my goodness. So that was a process. We got that was probably about nine o'clock at night. We moved uh, all the cows out. My cows went to Noon Road and my goats and my calves went to Smith Road and Everson Goshen Road. We didn't get back to my friend's house till 2.30 in the morning. And thankfully, you know, you didn't know, right? It could have been really, really bad. I mean, you should have seen the highway just from the barn trying to load everything out. The the amount of people trying to leave, right? Mm-hmm. Like people were moving their semis out by, by Nooksack High School because they didn't want this to happen. I mean, like it yeah. was, it was insane, you know, and that was just an added, added fear. And then we, I ended up coming back, um, so the nice way, the dead end side of Clearbrook are coming off of, uh, I mean, Garrison coming off the highway where they yeah. took out that road. I could get to my house by then. So mm. I was able to get back every every day. But the, the devastation and then the water, it doesn't go away. Like, yeah. I think we probably had it for at least five days and it's still flowing and it's sitting. And then you're thinking, okay you know, cow poop. And some of my, I talked to some people in Sumas and they had found dead chickens in their yard and they'd found, you know, this nastiness. And you're thinking, you know, and then like when we drove into Sumas on the tractor, you know, and when those tankers tipped over, you could smell the oil just driving yeah, down those the train, road. The train tankers and the, yeah. and, you know, I mean, today is the 19th. I'm thinking I have I was just looking on my phone before we had this conversation. I have pictures from the 20th last year. So uh, one day less than a year ago in Sumas of those twisted railroad tracks, um, you could see daylight underneath the railroad tracks where it was washed out underneath. You know, there was all the marks and scars from all the water that had been through the EPL feed plant there. It was a disaster zone. And I remember going through there. Um, I had somebody, I was going to stay away, but there, there was a friend who I needed to help. Uh, I can't remember a ride or pull their car out or something. So I went in just for that. But that's what I I said to people. You know, I texted when I was there. I said, this place looks like a war zone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and like when we were going and saving people, I mean, 
one guy, so he had lived, he had moved into his house in August and he, this was his first flood and he had tried to swim out, but the amount of current was so strong. It actually pushed him like towards, uh, from main street all the way to, uh, Christian Reformed Church on, what is that, Sumas Avenue or whatever it is. So it's two, wow. two whole blocks in. And we took him back to get his dogs. And the water was so high on the tractor. We were in a 3155. Mm-hmm. And it was probably, you know, like nicking the bottom of the fan. And we went on one of the roads and we actually started taking in water. So we actually were like, we got to get out of here. So we mm-hmm. backed up. But I mean, that guy's lucky. Five. That guy's lucky. He didn't die too. You're right. You're right. And you know, and with these, we were very grateful that we live in this community. I mean, all the boats, all the tractors. If we wouldn't have had those people to help, we would have had more deaths. We would have mm-hmm. had the, the numbers would have been so amazing. I mean, and it, it, that that man shouldn't have lost his life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a tragedy, and it shouldn't have happened. But we would have had a heck of a lot more. Mm. I mean, we didn't have any help, you know, like, but thankfully we have a farming community and people who have boats that were willing to come and help because. Yeah, I remember looking at some of the video that Mikey Skolton took from his uh, JCB fast track that he drove in from town at the, at at the dealership, Skolton's there. And then he was rescuing people too. But even just for him getting into Sumas to where he could start helping people was dicey. uh, The video just almost makes your heart stop watching what he was driving through it's crazy oh. and here we are and again by the way this is kgmi news talk 790 i'm dylan honkoop uh, along with uh, our guest right now leah rainey herringa uh, you grew up with this kind of flooding leah and by, by the way for people who don't know and i think we've had you on the show one other time leah but leah is the sister of my uh, former kgmi colleague lynn rainey if people remember that back in the day me and lynn yeah. used to do talk shows and news and whatnot and she'd talk a, a lot back then about you guys growing up in the acme valley there your your family still farms out there you guys would flood all the time up there so you had seen that you'd seen flooding you knew what the game was but you're saying you hadn't seen anything like this no well and you're right i mean it floods it floods quite regularly up there and you kind of got used to it i knew how to drive in it i knew how to okay what we needed to do but it's different up there you know in the valley it comes up and it goes down and out here it just keeps coming and you don't actually know how much is coming you know you keep hearing people are kind of starting to panic and you're hearing this oh the levee broke in everson and you're like what what you know and like all it's just this i don't know i had some serious panic attacks and my husband's like honey you have got to calm down and i'm like i can't like i don't know how deep this is going to get what am i going to do with my animals is my house going to be completely ruined my house is 113 years old and it has never had water in it. And when we ripped the walls open and that was really sad too. I mean, we had to rip up the floors, rip up the walls and we found a ton of dry rot. And Mm. because our house is so old, one side has a foundation and the other has a log and block. There's no way to pick it up. It's going to fall apart. So our idea, our new idea is we're going to have to bring in grade and probably build up higher but right now, like, because we're just kind of getting by, my kitchen is tongue and groove plywood, right? Mm-hmm. I threw down carpet to to sustain us. Like, it's sad, you know? And, like, I don't know. It, it was a really, really devastating time. And then 
when you see, you know, like I'm grateful I didn't lose everything. I have a two story mm-hmm. home, but when you go into Sumas and like, I have friends who are, they just got to do their houses last month, like, last month, almost a last year month. later. Yeah. Almost a year later. <sighs> and this looming fear that this could happen again. And if you, t- I mean, and I, I went and I did some talking in, in the downtown area and, and to hear these people's stories and like, there's a building, it's kind of close to El Nepal and it's kind of close to the post office, but it's a blue building and there's still a water line on the windows and mm. it is up to my nose. I'm five, five. So well over four feet off the ground. Yeah. Close to five feet off the ground. What, what are you supposed to do with that? Yeah. How are you supposed to, you well, know, and I, it, it was hurtful because yeah. there was a comment afterwards. Well, why didn't you just pick up your stuff? Dude. <sighs> People did pick up their stuff. I, I, we spent the whole eight hours Sunday trying to protect our home from this. There was nothing we could have done. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered how high we stacked those sandbags. It was coming in. Exactly. Like, exactly. Well, I, the thing that's frustrating to me now is here we are a year later. And what kind of reassurance do you and the thousands of other people who this is still a raw issue for those memories still hurt uh, what reassurance are, do does anyone have that this isn't going to happen again what has been done to deal with and you know we've talked about this so much here on the program we're going to continue to talk about it uh, we we ain't going to let it go we have a water management crisis here And if that flood wasn't a crisis, I don't know what is. And as we've talked about here on the show, that's only part of it. The flooding and then the flip side, not enough water. And we aren't managing it right and things need to be done. But what progress has been made here? We've had a whole year. What progress has been made? Not a lot. Not a lot. And there isn't a reassurance that isn't going to happen again. I keep hearing, oh, this was a 150-year flood. The odds of it happening again are slim. Really? Because how much gravel came down with this one? And mm-hmm. we, we've never had nine inches of rain at one time, but who's to say we get two inches now and it seems like that river's bank to bank. Yeah. And you're so, you know, in all these waterways, I keep driving around, all the ditches are plugged with grass. There's nowhere for this water to go. We're not managing the creeks or the rivers or the, the streams. We have to be able to manage it because if it can't get through, then it's going to stop and it's going to spread out just like it always does. And we we have to do something like, I don't know, this was probably one of the most traumatic things I've probably ever been through. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping I never have to do it again because I don't think I could handle it. Yeah, you, we were talking, what was it, a week or two ago, a couple of weeks ago when it was raining so much. I think it was, yeah, right at the end of October when we basically got caught up on rain for the entire month after three dry weeks. And you were saying even that was just putting you right to the edge of being nervous. I mean, oh, even yeah. though you you probably knew cerebrally that it probably wasn't going to happen. It's, it's a whole lot deeper than that. It's, it's PTSD really. Oh, big time. Is what it is. Yeah. I was driving out here and it was starting to rain. I'm like, this could all be underwater in like Mm. two weeks. And it's like, it's growing in your belly and you're like, what do you do? You know, I got three kids. I got animals, you know, like I got all, all our stuff is in our house, you know, like our shop was under three feet, you know, it's like, yeah. Well, we're about out of time and we don't have time to get into, you know, specifics about what, what kind of solutions need to be done. But I think the upshot here is we cannot forget about this and we, there's got to be a fire lit under some folks to get 
some things done. I don't care what it is. I mean, that's something I've been advocating for in the months since this flood now a year ago that we need to be considering and pursuing any and all options to protect people first and foremost in our community as well as farming and as well as fish because this was a disaster for all of that as well. But again, I I thank you, Leah Rainey Herring, with us here on the program. I I thank you for being willing to talk about it because I know it's it's painful for you. Um, But I appreciate you being with us here on the program this morning. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, I I appreciate being there too. I feel like it's, um, I need to be a voice for us.